Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. He's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades. Breeze, end zone, he hit 500 career touchdown passes. From Super Bowls to the World Series, he's been there, he'll be there, and he's here now for CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Ron, it's great to see you. And, and while a lot of people would like to see 2020, as crazy as it's been, go away, uh, for you, I would think from your perspective, uh, the year as wild as it's been, probably nothing short of miraculous. That's a good way to put it, Chris. It, it has been miraculous for me personally. Um, and and I've been very fortunate, you know, very blessed. It's uh, it's just one of those things that um, it has been a uh, an interesting year. Probably make a good book, too, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> a lot has happened. I've been very fortunate. I have. You've uh, battled through cancer without missing a game. I know you're a family guy, military, your father in the military, some things that we want to cover here. But how did that all kind of help you along with your football team uh, I work through this? I mean, you know, you guys put your life into football and coaching. And obviously, there's nothing more important than your health when it comes down to something like this. You're absolutely correct. Your health is so important. Um, you know, I, I, I discovered it, um, my cancer, uh, just before I was going to go on vacation. I had a little lump um, in, in one of the nodes. And, and you know, typically, sometimes you get sick and, and you have something like that. So I kind of kept an eye on it, went on vacation, and it, and it just never really went away. So as soon as I got back, I went and saw the team doctor. Um, he said, hey, come see me in a week. Keep an eye on it. I did. Nothing happened. And he said, well, let's, let's, let's get a scan and, and let's get a biopsy. So got a scan. Um, it it kind of revealed that there was some concern. So that we got the biopsy. And, of course, it showed that it was a squamous uh, carcinoma. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a form of cancer. Uh, it attacked one of my lymph nodes. And um, so we, we had it confirmed. And um, we started a, a plan. Um, you know, I was very fortunate because I had some people that advocated for me. Our team doctor did. Um, our, our, our head trainer, Ryan Vermillion, got involved. And they helped set up my, my, uh, my, my regiment with the doctors. And we sat down, talked to the doctors, went through a whole bunch of the stuff about what to expect, uh, what we were going to do, how we were going to do it. And we formulated this plan. And, you know, one of the things, like you mentioned, Chris, growing up in the military, you're very regimented. You learn that you have to do things a certain way. And one of the things that we did was my treatments were going to be early in the morning so I can get to the facility for, uh, for, for meetings and practice as much as possible. So what happened was my, my, my treatments would start around 7.15, 7.30 in the morning. So I called for me and my daughter or me and my wife to get up early, uh, have a quick breakfast, head to the hospital, get treatment, um, and then whatever happened next, whether it was I'd have blood drawn, uh, or I had to see the doctor, or I had to get another scan. Um, we did those things. And then we would come to the facility, and, and I would be here uh, for meetings or part of the meetings, um, and then practice. But in between those meetings and practice, we had set time for a nap. So I would take about a 30-minute break, uh, get re-energized, and then come out to practice. And I was able to do that for a while, but as the treatments wore on, uh, it kind of wore me down, and so I, I really wasn't able to, to, to get out and, and be as energetic as I was. Um, 
there's a company club car uh, makes a golf cart that they sent to us that I got to use. And so our, um, our security head of security, Mike would, uh, Jacobs would drive me down and I would sit in, in the cart until certain times in practice. And then I would get out and I would get involved with practice. I would, you know, interact with the players. I would, I would, you know, I would lead the, the, the different periods that we had. And then in between I'd go back and take a rest. So, you know, there was a period when it did wear, wear me down a little bit. Um, and then as we went further and further into the treatments, um, you know, really, I, I had one episode that was really difficult um, and got through it. And then um, now, you know, we're finished with uh, with the treatments. And now it's just a matter of, I mean, I'm in the recovery phase. Um, I've been, I, I have appointments with my doctors. I still take my medicines. Um, and then... Uh, we're waiting till the middle to end of January before I go in and get my PET scan to to see where I am. It's a, it's a, it's an amazing story, and through all this, the success of the Washington football team and really kind of an image change. We use the phrase uh, cultural change, but I do want to mention your quarterback Alex Smith and and, mm -hmm. and his comeback story. I, I don't know if people uh, gained inspiration from you or if there was any inspiration you gained from him or each other. Can you describe that 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 unique experience for both of you, and obviously a positive impact on this team? From what I kind of the way I take it is is that we we both have a mutual respect and understanding of what the other one went through. Yeah, it's a little different, but kind of the same thing. Um, you know, that, that, that there was that light at the end of the tunnel, that, that we had a goal, uh, and it involved football. Um, with Alex, you know, his comeback really was, and, and this is the thing about it, it wasn't about just getting back out there and showing everybody I could do it. It was, uh, you know, and, and he wanted to prove something. He wanted to come back and play football. That, that's what's the inspirational part to me, um, is that he wants to play football. He wants to be part of this, and, and, and he's done such a good job of, of – getting himself to this point, you know, just before we were getting ready for camp and we were waiting to see whether or not he was going to be cleared. Um, he met with his doctors, his team of doctors um, and, 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 and our team doctor, they all came out that, you know, Hey, he's cleared, you know, he's cleared for activity. And the biggest thing that, that we took from this is that he was cleared for the activity. Now we had to get him into football shape. He had to be prepared for what it took for football. I mean, he could do all the other things, but football is a different animal. And so we had to bring him along um, and get him going and get him used to all the football activity again, which we did. And what happened was near the end of the year, Alex, or excuse me, near the end of training camp, Alex came to me, it was about 10 days left to go and said, look, I need more. I need to, I need to find out, I need more. And what happened was, I, I think we might've been a little hesitant, a little protective, uh, and so we kind of dragged him along. He wanted to be pushed. He wanted to be out in front. And so we did. We put him out in front. And I told him, I said, okay, if you believe you're ready, let's go. And so I put him in as, as, as close to live situations as I could to where he was getting hit. He was getting bumped. He was getting pushed. He was getting shoved. People were falling in front of him. And he just stood tall. He stood in that pocket and delivered the ball and, and, and made decisions and, and, and held on to it during, during the, 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 the practices, the scrimmages that we had. So you could see that he was, he was getting close and it was pretty impressive. And that's really what led to the decision of, 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 of having him part of our, our, our 53. And then when I made my other move of, of, of going from, from Dwayne to Kyle, um, I decided that Alex would be the number two. And that's really what, what kind of helped 
lead me to that decision was just watching him go through training camp and the way he approached everything. Yeah, uh, Washington, it's funny, December 2019, you're let go in Carolina after such a successful run there. And then here we are, you know, a year plus later. Uh, and, and what you've done in Washington, aside from what we've seen on the field, but, but Ron, too, whatever the image was that people had of the team and the team name changed before, uh, I think you, along with your players, have, have uh, changed that. Have, have, uh, I, I don't know, are you the, can we call you the face of the, of the Washington football team, the new, the new brand? No, we, we got a lot of guys that deserve that, though, as opposed to me. Um, you know, we really do. We got some great players. I, I love the young guys that we have. You know, I got a tremendous amount of respect for who Alex Smith is. And, you know, we, we do. I mean, you look at the Terry McLaurins we've got. I mean, what, what a great young man. I mean, he's the right kind of guy we have. And then you look at how tough some of our guys are on our offensive front, and you just think, God, these are the right kind of guys. And you look at the defensive side, these are the right kind of guys. And that's what we're looking for, the guys that we believe fit uh, the culture we want to bring here. And, and that's really kind of what we've done going forward. And I think the guys are buying into it. You know, um, it's interesting you talked about, you know, early December last year, 2019 is when I, I got let go. But it's interesting because on December 7th last year, 19, uh, 2019, is the first time I talked with, um, with Daniel Snyder about the team. And it was also the first time uh, in the conversation, at, at the very beginning of the conversation, he talked about a culture change, how important that was to him, that he wanted to change things, and he felt a culture change was very important. So we talked We talked for about an hour and a half, and I would say about 45 minutes of it was really about culture change and what he was looking for. And I, and I came out of that conversation really pleased with, with the fact that that's what he was saying. And so it was kind of the thing that as we got into it and things started to happen, you know, I, I try to remind everybody that, you know, we're here to do that. We're here to change the culture. We're here to make a difference. We're here to do things a different way. And it's got started by, you know, by obviously letting some people go, bringing some people in, trying to establish, you know, a certain way we were going to do things, say a certain way we we're going to look at things and how we were going to approach it. And, and, and we're still working on it. We're still trying to get everybody to buy into it and understand that this is very important to us. I want to go back a little bit, not only your Carolina days, but your playing days and then assistant coaching in Chicago, your your roots. You're a tough guy. Uh, you, you've always even you, presented a tough image, but you've had this sensitive side connecting with your players. Were you with the cancer? And I know that people can relate to this in their own way. When you got the word that you got before you got all the information, were you the most scared you'd ever been in your life? I was the most mad I'd ever been. I, I was upset. Mad. I was mad about it. I really was just because, you know, so many positive things that happened for me, you know, for my family, things were good. We, we had a good vacation where we spent a lot of time with family. Before we went out there, we got COVID tested to make sure we were good. And, and we isolated when we first got there, you know, we stayed because we flew private just to be safe. I mean, it cost us a little bit, but we wanted to be safe. So we, we, we got out there. Uh, we got a chance to isolate and then we got to see our family and, and it was, it was a good time. I mean, I really, things were going well. And so when I found out I was mad, I was mad for about 10 days. I really was. Um, and then as I got more and more into the research about what I was going to go through and then listening to the doctors and, and you know, what, what could happen, um, then I got concerned. Then, then, then I was afraid. Um, um, but I did find solace in the fact that a number of people I knew reached out to tell me, hey, I had the same thing you did. I mean, gosh, you know, in fact, um, um, John Bonamigo, the special teams coach for the Rams, had almost the same exact thing as I did, but the only difference was his was on his left side where mine was on the right side. 
And he had told me his story and he was in his fifth year of remission. I called him and we talked and I found solace in that. I found confidence in that. And then listening to the doctors talk about, hey, great job. We found it early, you know, um, and because we found it early, it's highly treatable, highly curable. There, there's a good, you know, cure rate. I mean, and so the plan was this and we were going to do this. And when I found all this out, you know, we talked to different people that said, yeah, that's the right plan. That's exactly what you needed to do. We talked to different doctors for different opinions and everybody agreed and everybody agreed that the doctors we were working with were the right kind of doctors. They were the right ones. You know, um, you know, my, my, my surgeon on this was Dr. Lee, Dr. Patty Lee, who everybody said was highly recommended. And, you know, uh, my, 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 my radiologist, my proton radiologist, Dr. Bajaj came, came highly recommended, you know, Dr. Deacon, um, was was my oncologist and, and everybody said, guys, he's, he's one of the best. So, I mean, we were so confident going into this that, you know, my 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 fear really kind of waned a little bit. So we, we went into this, you know, and I went into this knowing that this is what I was going to do. This is how I was going to do it. Um, we were going to follow this. We were going to do this and we were going to get it done. Um, but I got to admit, uh, you know, my 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 second week going into my proton therapy, um, you know, you, 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 you have this mask that's made for you. And it's, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a mesh mask. It fits over your face and shoulders. And what they do is they lock you into place. And the machine is, is, is a huge machine that, 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 that when you, you, they put you down on this, on this table, they lock you in. And then this machine is, you know, it's about uh, 18 inches away from you. And it moves and it rotates and it basically, you know, feeds the proton radiation into you. And so it was, I believe it was my second Monday or my second Tuesday of treatment. And I came in and they locked me in. And as they were locking me in, it's like all of a sudden I, I had a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. And it really panicked me. I mean, I, I was... And so I gave the signal, hey, you know, you could come get me out, come get me out. And so they came, got me out because you can't speak because you, you, you've got a mouth guard, a mouth block in. And so you have to use hand signals for anything you need. So I, I gave the signal of distress. They came and unclicked me and said, all right. So I just couldn't breathe. Um, and so that was probably one of the one of the moments wow. where I, I, it really kind of freaked me out. So I went and saw the doctor, you know, because um, I had you know, I had an appointment with him afterwards. We sat down, we talked a little bit, and he said, Ron, this is this is about just being confident and comfortable. And, you know, so I, I got some mints, I got some lozenges for my throat to keep it moist. I went back, and when they clicked me in and I heard that first click, I started talking to myself. All right, here we go. This is for your health, buddy. We're, we're, hey, this is treatment time now, so we're going to go get it. Body, let's go. Hey, let's get those white blood cells over there. Let's go. Let's, let's go with that. Pro let's, let's kick the <laughs> shit out of them. I mean, I psyched myself up. But I did that for the remaining 29 treatments is that every time that first click came, it was, all right, here we go. Let's go body. Let's go. Let's respond. We're going to kick the shit out of it. And that's, that's what I did to, 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 yep. to, to, to be confident wow. and relaxed. You're almost coaching yourself uh, uh, through this, this type of thing, right? So all those years of coaching players, being a, being a player yourself. Let me, I don't know, you reflect when you have some downtime, you're going through things like this. Uh, when you think back of your Chicago Bear days as a player and then as an assistant coach, mm -hmm. kind of your roots in professional football, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Just the team. I mean, you know, the, the, the team itself. I mean, um, I'm still connected. I, I really am. Um, I, I, I just, 
you know, I, I talk to some of my old teammates every now and then. I get notes. I get text messages from those guys. Uh, but the team itself, I really do. It's a great city. I love being in Chicago. I'll tell you that right now. It is one of my favorite cities in the world, period. If people ask me, hey, you know, where would you like to go on vacation? Chicago's one of them. I mean, I go <laughs> really? I've back. Yeah, I've gone back probably at one point. I, I would go back every second or third year. Uh, I would go to a Cubs game. I go to a Sox game um, because I go back in the summertime. Um, we would we would we would go downtown. We go to a couple of our favorite restaurants. Uh, we go to Lou Malnati's Pizza. Uh, it's one of our favorite spots. Um, you know, it's just I mean, we go to Portillo's. These are very iconic Chicago places that you have to go to. And so going to Chicago like that was just it's, it's cool. And then seeing friends uh, is even better. And uh, but I know going to Wrigley, going, go, you know, um, uh, going to going, going to, to, to Sox Park. I mean, those are the things that, that we do. And I just I love the city. Why didn't Ron Rivera stay in Chicago in, in some form? Uh, I don't know. When you look back at that, things have a way of working out. Uh, but what did you tell me? Were you did. disappointed? That well, I knew this much, you know, it, it was it was an opportunity, um, you know, that was that was given to me in 2004, five and six to be part of that. And it was a very good opportunity um, in 2007 after the Super Bowl. You know, just Coach Smith decided he wanted to do something different. And 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 so he did, which is fine because that happens in coaching. But I knew one thing and that was I was going to get another opportunity. And 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 an hour later, you know, I'm, I'm going to, to, to San Diego to work with Coach Turner and and. You know, I learned a lot in in Philadelphia, in Chicago, and I think going to San Diego really pretty much rounded me out and got me ready to be a head coach. Um, and I had four great years in in San Diego with North, and and so I think everything happens for a reason. I think it was all part of my growth um, because going from Chicago to San Diego, I took a step back and gave me a chance to reevaluate, reassess, uh, and and I did. I learned a lot. And so getting the opportunity I did in Carolina, I think I was ready for that more so than any other opportunity I had I had gotten at the time. Yeah, irony with it, Scott Turner, North Turner's son, is your offensive yeah. coordinator now. He was in, 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 in Washington. Would you would you ever up here, Rob, let's just would you ever want to coach the Bears or coach in Chicago oh. again if you had the chance? You know, it's one of those things, it's a homecoming is what it would be. I mean, it's like Cal. Everybody asked me, would you ever go back? I mean, some of my college roommates, some of my best friends still yeah. ask me, the Cal job opens, why don't you apply for it? So, Dudes, I'm, 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 I like what I'm <laughs> doing now, you know? But it, it is one of those things that it's a legacy thing. Would you love to? Oh, I would. I mean, look what Mike Dicka did when he had his chance, you know? Um, yeah. Would I ever consider? I would consider Cal because th that, that's where I'm from. I mean, you know, those are my roots. Uh, but I do like the challenge of where I am right now. I like what we've done. I've liked the guys that we have. I mean, this is exciting. And, and, and it's funny because, you know, when, when I got fired on December 3rd, on December 4th of last year, I pretty much had a, a going away uh, press conference. Okay. And in it, I told everybody, you know, I still have a lot of energy. I still want to coach. I still want to be part of it. And so I did. And when I got this opportunity, I relished it because this is one of the iconic organizations in the league, too. This was born in 1932. And, you know, so having the opportunity and like I said, you know, December 7th was basically the, the anniversary of the first time I talked with, with, with Mr. Snyder. And it kind of energized me to the, to the point where, God, I was thinking, I remember playing against 
the Redskins and 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 the fan base and how tremendous they were. Uh, it was so much like Chicago. It really is, and that's what we want to do. Is we want to get back to that. We want to get the fans back in the stands and, and give them something to cheer about. And and so that's why you know here as a coach, one of the things that I've always talked about is that let's play hard, no matter what happens. Let's play hard. Let's always play to win. Because um, I think the fans appreciate that more than just guys going through the motions. Hey, you mentioned Cal. Uh, 82, the Stanford Cal, the band play, Elway. That, where, where were you on, on, on that famous yeah. play that we could never get enough of watching? I was on the sidelines completely dejected because John Elway drove down, scored, threw the touchdown pass to take the lead. And, and I, I felt pretty dejected on the sideline. I mean, I, I was disappointed. And I was on the sideline. I watched the kick. It went to, to 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 one of my one of my old teammates, Richard Rogers, who's actually one of my DB coaches here. He's been with me from Carolina on to here. Um, he started. He's the guy that started all the laterals, and so you knew something exciting was happening, and that was really cool. And then to have it go and become a touchdown and become one of the iconic plays ever of, of college football, that's cool. That really is. Yeah. Hey, I do want to ask you too. When you had the Panthers at fourteen and zero, the year you led Carolina to the Super Bowl, you finished fifteen and one, and go on. Was there any thought in your mind when you knocked off the? Uh, you were the first team to keep the Steelers from going undefeated. Was there any connection there in your mind at all? There was. I did think about that. To be honest with you, I really did. Yeah. And, and and I'll say this: I would have loved to have gone into the Super Bowl. 16 and 0. That would have been really cool. But give Atlanta their due because because they upset us that year. Um, but I would really have loved to. Um, and I, and I know you know um, uh, Coach Tomlin would have loved to as well. I mean he's so competitive and he's he's been such a great coach for such a long time and he's had so many great Steeler teams. It would have been interesting to see. But I did think about it and I did think, man, this would be a cool thing for our guys because this would be this would be a a, a watermark victory. I mean, it's something that we could build off of. We're going to build off of. No matter what happens for the rest of the year, um, this is something that's important for us to point to and say, hey, look, see, this is where we are. This is how good we can be if we play our kind of football. A right. couple of uh, thoughts here, Ron, on uh, going back. You've got Luke Keekley, Brian Erlacher. Uh, give me a quick one-line comparison. Similarities, differences, just for fans who watch both of them play. Um, tremendously smart. Tremendously athletic team guys, absolute team guys. Everything was about their teammates, not about themselves. You know, Brian would get in. Brian would get into a press conference, and he would want to talk about everybody else but Brian Erlacher. Okay, Luke Keekley get into a press conference, and he's given credit to everybody but himself. I mean, that's how similar those guys were. Um, everything that they did was about football. They loved the game, and. Um, it it, 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 it it in both those cases um I, I could not be have been luckier to coach a, a guy that I believe deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and a guy that I believe is a future Hall of Famer um just How tremendous football that that really are, are just I mean guys that I, I think about all the time yeah my how about a, a quick thought on playing for Mike Ditka how would you describe describe that um I mean if anybody epitomized being a Chicago Bear, it was coach. And playing for him, um, it, it, I thought was great. I, I loved everything about it. I really did. I, I learned a lot about him, a lot, not just football lessons, but I learned a lot of life lessons from him. And that's one of the things that I try to kind of get across to our guys is that, you know, a lot of these lessons I'm trying to get across to you guys, 
you can use in your everyday life. You know, one of my favorite sayings, and I got it from a friend of mine who's a sports psychologist. He says, be where your feet are, you know? And, and, and so I tell the guys, hey, whether you're here or you're at home, be there. Be where your feet are, yeah. guys. It's important. Okay. You know, and, and so I try to get these messages out to the guys whenever I can. And I got that from Coach. Yeah, live in, live in the moment. Those are, those are good words. I, I know you said things worked out. I believe it was eight interviews you had uh, before you got the head coaching job, right? Your first head, head coaching job. And, uh, and you're proud of your Hispanic heritage. Uh, you think back of a Tom Flores. Uh, we, we are now in a, in a day and age where minority hiring want to give people an opportunity. Nobody should be discriminated against when it comes to becoming a head coach. There's only so many, so many jobs. Uh, do, do you have a solution? Is the NFL doing enough? Do you have anything yeah. else that you might say, hey, this can help? Because I went through this at a different time. I did. But but the thing to me and the thing that, that, that I always wonder is, shouldn't it be merit-based? I mean, when you look at the success people have had, you say, gosh, these guys deserve opportunities. I, I mean, think of Eric Bieniemy. I think of what he's done and how he's done it. I mean, if you want to do anything merit-based, that's a guy. That, that's the guy you sit there and say, wow, he has earned it. He deserves the opportunity. Let's give it to him. Okay, um, because you do wonder, you, you, you look around and you sit there and you do actually question it sometimes. And that's the hard part. That's the part that I struggled with when when I went through it. Now, when I went through it, several of the times um, they chose offensive guys because I was a defensive guy. And the only other time they chose a defensive guy over me was was Pittsburgh chose Mike Tomlin. And Mike had a tremendous uh, merit based resume as well. So I got that. I understood that and I respected it. Um, I respected what Mr. Rooney did because he was not afraid. I mean, he interviewed several candidates and there was three of us at the very end of it. And he chose who he believed was the best one. And I respected that because of, of what Mr. Rooney did was he chose it, in my opinion, based off of merit. And Mike deserved it. And, and look what Mike's done. And, and that speaks volumes to who Mr. Rooney is. And that's why the Rooney rule is named after him. And so to me, really, it, it should be about, about merit. I did this one time to a group of my coaches. I took some resumes and I took the name and the school off the resumes and, and the teams that they worked for and took those off. And I asked these guys, if you looked at these resumes, who would you hire? And as they went through these resumes and they looked at them, they kept taking the resume that had the most merit. And it just it just kind of shows showed you that I just kind of felt it's That's, about merit. And and because what's right. happening today is everybody's going with the flavor of the day. It's 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 you know, it's it's you look at social media and a lot of information is driven on social media, but is it the right information? You know what I'm saying? I mean, why are we being yeah. influenced in of, instead of just taking a step back and saying, let's do things based on merit. Let, let's do things because people deserve it. I remember um, there was a there was one of the first meetings of, of uh, one of these diversity committee meetings. Um, and it was an event that they had at the um, at the um, combine. And I remember, um, you know, uh, Gene Upshaw was there. Um, Mr. Rooney was there. And Commissioner Tagliabu was there um, at the time. And uh, the now Commissioner Goodell was there as well. And they had a whole bunch of us minority coaches. They had several head coaches in it. 
And I can remember the conversation going and people were talking about, you know, who deserved opportunities and who deserved this. And I raised my hand and I asked, I said, you know, I would like to, to, to think that a lot of things would be, would be based on merit, on, 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 on where they were and what they've accomplished. And I know this much, and Romeo Cornell was there and, and he wasn't saying much. And I said, I, I wonder about Romeo Cornell because here's a guy that's been part of two Super Bowls and yet nobody has really you know said anything about his 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 resume i mean to me there's a lot of merit there he's earned it yeah i no, i i think that's well put ron and i think that's a great example i hadn't thought of that mm -hmm. hiring somebody without looking at the name school just what have they accomplished you know with their teams yep. with 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 their players um i i also just your time in in carolina um mm -hmm. the way it ended is is there any, is any bitterness there i know things have worked mm -hmm. out but but everybody likes to kind of move on their own terms and and leave no you're shaking your head so uh you're saying it was yeah. time because there's that old theory that a coach no matter how good you are 10 years in one place sometimes they they, it yeah. run, they run a cycle and then you got to move on and, and it's funny because uh, the the irony of it all is you know mr tepper had come in and and, and i thought we worked well together we had a good relationship but i understood that you know that that you know he wanted things done a specific way which i got and he and i talked once a week maybe twice when he was in and we, we spent good time and he was always up front and when he came in and we sat down and we started talking he was very honest and very upfront and 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 it didn't bother me because he was up front um he he he, he he had his reasons and and again i respected that fact and told him i said i appreciate it and is there anything i can do to help you and we talked about it and 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 so you know we uh we parted i think in in, in the right way i mean i appreciated the fact that he came to me he talked to me explained to me it wasn't like hey look i'm gonna go on a different direction and walk out no it's hey this is why this is what i'm thinking you know this that i said hey i respect that and so I will always remember that 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 conversation because it was such a good one, and he's always been a man of his word as far as that was concerned. Yeah, and and the nickname there that uh, Riverboat Ron. Now we we think of you as uh, you know recovering comeback Ron, uh, which is a great thing. And by the way, social media, I think it's really cool. Your your daughter who worked, I believe, in Carolina in that area, and now works with you in, in Washington. So you got kind of for you know for the, as you get a little older, social media, you need somebody to connect you. What's her What's her best advice to you on dealing with uh, with social media? Is don't get caught up in it. I mean, take it for what it is. I mean, it, it gives you information. Uh, or you can you can put information out there, but the thing you got to be careful is is you know what's the real information. You know what I'm saying? You've got to draw your own opinion. Yeah. You can't let people swim. That's the thing with social media. Um, you know what's interesting about it too is the nickname Riverboat Ron actually came through the social media. Um, really? So something good? Yeah. Um, in 2013, I started going for it on fourth down. I read some articles. I looked at some things. But I had talked to John Madden, and one of the things that happened with that was um, after the 2012 season, uh, Mr. Richardson, the, the former owner of, the, of, of, of Carolina, had come to me and asked and, and said to me, you know, I think you need a mentor. And I got the perfect guy, John Madden. So he got me Coach Madden's number. I called Coach. We talked. And so he said to me, hey, before you come out, I want you to take a look at a few games. Okay, I, I know you've got this record. I think it's three and thirteen of, of games that were decided by 
uh, four points or less. And take a look at that and, and just look at the, the, the critical junctions of the game and, and see if you could have done something different. So I went back, I looked at all those games and I, I was writing some notes down and everything and a, a nice little presentation. I go out there to see Coach Madden. I, I go to his office in Pleasanton, California. And I walk in, we sit down, we start talking. Now we're getting down to business. Say, I got that homework you asked me to, 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 to do for you. He looked at me, he goes, what homework? I said, well, you told me. I said, no, that's not for me, that's for you. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, what did you learn? I said, well, I, I think I could have done this this way. I could have done that that way. I, I might have done this. But I basically, I think I went by the book. And he looked at me in all seriousness and said, what book? I said, well, just kind of by, you know, he said, Ron, there is no book. He said, you have played enough football and you've coached enough football to know how to do things. Go by your instincts, go by your gut, go by what you've learned. And that's pretty much how Riverboat Ron started. So fast forward, we play New York at home. And in the first drive, I go for it on fourth down. We convert, score a touchdown, and we were off to the races. Then I did it again uh, next couple of weeks, go to Minnesota, and I did it twice on the first drive. And I did it on fourth and two, and we scored, and we win the game. After the game, they started talking about this nickname, Riverboat Ron, Riverboat Ron. And then some guy had taken, you know, um, something, created an emoji or whatever of me, um, dressed up like a riverboat gambler on a riverboat. And my daughter, while she was at UCLA as a student athlete, had captured it. And then she was tweeting about it. And so I'm, so they're, so I'm in my press conference and they're telling me about this and they're saying, oh yeah, we have this picture of, of this icon, uh, this emoji this guy made of you, and blah, 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 blah. I said, really? And I said, yeah. And they show it to me. I said, well, where'd you get that? He said, well, from your daughter's uh, um, account. I said, what? He said, yeah, your daughter. And now I'm thinking, okay, I can't wait to get home to talk to my wife, to talk to our daughter about this stuff. So fast forward, I get home. I said to Stephanie, I said, Stephanie, I said, you know, Courtney's got to be careful. about." So from that point on, uh, Courtney made her account private and she no longer put those things out. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a great story and a great nickname. We're going to let you go here. Uh, just I need you to give me five. And this is a short answer. Fill in the blank. Uh, five okay. basic questions to you. So uh, so here you go. Um, the best player I ever played against was? Oh, wow. To me personally, Marcus Allen. I was always really? a Marcus okay. Allen. I respected who he is more so than anything else. But also, he was the closest guy, in my opinion, to Walter Payton in terms of who they were as people. All right. Yeah. Beyond family, the best decision I ever made was what? Was to get into coaching. Okay. All right. That's a, that's a natural fit. So along these lines, if I could coach one quarterback for one season, a quarterback that no longer plays, but from any era, who would that quarterback be? Remember, you're a defensive guy, but I thought this would be interesting. Oh, Joe Montana. Real? Okay, Montana. All right. So from, from that era. Uh, and uh, when I get angry, really upset, I blank to calm myself down. What do you do? I talk to my wife. Real? Okay. I thought you were going to say you talk to yourself as you coached yourself through. All right. Well, that's good to have it, her. And finally. No, I was going to say it's interesting because, you know, Stephanie coached uh, women's basketball. Right, she, she, she coached professional right? And she played it. And so if it, most, most of the time I get angry, it's about football. I mean, you know, whether I'm angry with the player, I'm angry with the situation, 
it, it, it's interesting because a lot of the, t- the conversations we have at home deal with that. I'm angry. I'm allowed to do it for five minutes. And then <laughs> she had enough. She said, all right, quit your whining and let's move on. <laughs> Finally here, if I, if I wasn't in coaching or sports, right, my career would have been what? Oh, it would be something to do with, um, with uh, first responding. I mean, I, I would believe really? I, I would have been a firefighter, a policeman. Um, I, I could have been a teacher or the military. Yes, sir. And your and your your father, who uh, I know you're from Vietnam, Army vet, and it's your middle name. So yep. uh, that influence we've seen has run through you. Well, I appreciate your time. We wish you a lot of great health. We we set it off at this time means a little bit more. And uh, keep up the great work. It's always been nice talking to you, covering you and your teams. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, sitting exciting. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Good luck, Ron. River voter on. Well, you take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. 